Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, time to talk uh, some Wolves. And, uh, John, with all the turnover on the roster here, do you want to just, like, call it a day? We'll just replay last year's preview and then... Uh... <laughs> we could just forget about it yeah absolutely i think uh just run it all back uh and and maybe can we just edit in one or two like a tall anytime i mentioned bielitsa last year just swap out tolliver and we're good to go (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think we all knew with their tax concerns it was going to be a a relatively limited off season Uh, other than kita bates jop and uh josh akoji is that how you say how do you say his last name is it i think it's a kogi i think it's a hard g a kogi Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, and then, of course, Tolliver coming in. Let's talk about Tolliver first. I think that he actually might, despite the fact that it's not really that sexy of an addition, I do like his fit with this team. Yeah, I agree with you, Nate. I mean, you you could, I think there's an argument to be made that Bielitsa may be a, an all-around, I guess, more talented player in terms of, I think he's a better, I think he can handle the ball a little bit. Um, I think he, he's, he's got a few inches on Tolliver, uh, so he can kind of slide even to a small five, even though they never really did that with him, but he certainly has that versatility in some lineups. Um, but he, and he can just kind of make plays a little, maybe a little bit better passer as well. But I, I do think that Tolliver is a better fit for what Tom Thibodeau wants and what that Timberwolves second unit needs in terms of a guy, you know, one of the frustrations I think that Tibbs had with Bielitsa was that um, he he could be timid offensively at times and uh, and not take the open shot when it was there and and Bielitsa would say well I was kind of looking over my shoulder thinking I was going to get pulled for for every mistake that I made so either way it just wasn't a very good fit between the two of them but Tolliver is a guy who draws a lot of charges will stick his nose in defensively probably a little bit more than than belly did um but also sneaky uh stat is that he's a better three-point shooter than than bielitsa was at least last year and and took a, a higher volume of them as well and so uh i i think it's a case where if the ball is swinging swinging and finds tolliver in the corner or on the wing uh with an open look he's gonna let that thing fly and and i think that will fit exactly what the wolves need uh in terms of just a spot up shooter he can also get to the basket a little bit he's worked on that part of his game a little bit as well and you know he's just a veteran guy who knows who he is 
and plays confidently. And I think Bielitsa struggled with some injuries and also struggled with some confidence issues. And so to bring in a veteran like like Anthony Tolliver, who's also going to be good in the locker room, uh, a kind of a, a voice in there that will be needed after you lose like Jamal Crawford and a few of those guys. Um, that I, I just I just think that the 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 prospects for success for Anthony Tolliver uh, with this group is maybe a little bit higher than than Nemanja Bielitsa. Yeah, and I think Bielitsa to me was underutilized in the sense that he had shown a lot of ability running pick and roll mm-hmm. in Europe, working with the ball in his hands. The Wolves, as we talked about plenty last year, have a ton of guys who can work with the ball in their hands already. I mean, they've lost a couple now in Bielitsa and Crawford, but at least you know they still have Teague, they still have Wiggins, they still have Butler, they still have Towns. They got plenty of these guys now who are able to work with the ball in their hands and so just having a guy who's just like all right my role is to stand out here at the three-point line. i mean that's part of it too is just simply standing out there and then he's really has turned into a bomber you know a guy who can shoot two or three feet behind the three-point line you know a little bit more defensive versatility i mean not quite as good as he used to be defending on the perimeter but a, as you mentioned a, a guy who will take charges be an excellent team defender which bielitsa was a little bit better than expected in that regard but you know was not a plus defender which i think tolliver can be um you know i mean do you think it's possible that he might actually close some games next to carl anthony towns i know their starting lineup which they're bringing back was very effective but you you think he he, in a lot of ways he's a better fit than taj gibson if not necessarily a better player yeah i I think there's going to be certainly some opportunities for him to close there now we all know that tibbs i mean absolutely loves taj gibson and and for good reason i mean taj was really really good for this team last year. Um, But I do think that, yeah, you're going to see some scenarios where they're going to need another shooter on the floor. Um, Maybe one with a little bit more mobility defensively uh, than Taj does uh, on, on some have on some occasions who can match up a little bit with a few smaller wings. Uh, And so he's going to get that chance there. And, and just when they need shooting on the floor, I mean, this is a team that finished last in the league in three-pointers made and three-pointers attempted. And they were too often bringing a knife to a gunfight last year. And and so even though Tolliver isn't going to come in and play 33 minutes a night and, and, and take like eight threes a game probably, but what he does do in the time that he is on the court, he is going to provide more of that floor spacing and give them another dimension uh, especially with that starting group. I mean, you're looking at that group, uh, you know, Wiggins and Butler don't shoot the three all that great. Teague is, is okay w- with it and, and maybe a tick above average. But really, Towns is their best three-point shooter with that starting five. And so if you can add another one into that mix to open up and give Towns and Butler uh, a little more room to operate uh, going to the basket and, and in the paint, I think that, yeah, there there are those options if – if Tibbs feels comfortable enough with Tolliver's defense to kind of sit maybe one of his best and and at least most disciplined and consistent defenders uh, in Taj Gibson late in games. And I think another thing that they might try too, uh, although, you know, Gorgie Jang is making a lot of money, you know, maybe on the second unit, you could go with Gibson at center uh, and play Tolliver at the four as well. Uh, that might be something that they could look at. Uh, although, again, you know, Tibbs does like uh, his traditional bigs. You think these rookies are going to play at all? Uh, Koji drafted number 20 overall, 6'4, six, 6'5 six, shooting guard. You know, we talked about both he and Kata Beach uh, or Kata Bates Giap on the 
the uh summer league wrap-up pod but uh you think we'll see either these guys uh, on the court at all you know i i think that there's a really good chance of it nate because you i think historically you, you look at tom thibodeau and you say well he really likes veterans and and he likes guys that he can trust um but I think that just given their wing situation right now, uh, they're going to need to play those guys. I know you know they they brought in Tolliver, who's really more of a four. He can maybe play a little bit of three, but but more of a four. And and so they need some kind of versatile wing players. Uh, you know they'll have Derrick Rose coming off the bench, and and he'll play probably as much two as he does one. Um, but they need those three, those two threes and those three fours, uh, you know, between Bates Jop, uh, Okogi, and then James Nunnally, who was signed from Europe. I mean, those are really the options that they have right now. And uh, obviously, it's just summer league. Uh, you got to take all of that with a grain of salt. But uh, I do think that the two, the two young guys, the two rookies, kind of play – a style of basketball that that Tibbs likes. Uh, a Kogi and uh, it would get on the floor and 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 really get into guys defensively and 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 try and push the pace that way and get into passing lanes and create turnovers. Bates Giap has arms that are you know ridiculously long, and so he was blocking some shots. He was kind of being disruptive that way, and he has he has kind of like a a Taj Gibson like offensive game where you know he can hit the mid-range shot and 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 is working on expanding out to the three-point line so um there's options there for them with with both of those guys and one thing that really impressed me in Vegas with Akogi is uh his shot blocking not not just like in general oh, yeah. but at the rim like i mean he was challenging guys at the rim and tossing I them think he and so had eight blocks he did eight blocks in four games and i and I, I don't know it right off the top of my head, but I bet you six of them were at the rim. You know, uh, he, he just yeah. he, he doesn't give away things easily. And that's what Tibbs really wants and needs in that second unit. Uh, they, he needs some more defensive intensity. He needs a group that will go out there and challenge guys and give him the ability to kind of rest uh, his starters a little bit more. And I, you know, I've, I've said all along, like Tibbs obviously loves to play his starters. That's not going to change, but he, I don't think he's this sadistic prison warden. I don't think that he, you know, wants to play everyone 41 minutes a night. I think if he has an option of guys yeah. he can trust to play hard defensively, he'll at least give them a little bit of run. So I do expect a Kogi in, in, in particular and, and I think Bates Giap could play himself into um, a, a little bit of a role as well, and and so I I, I think that they're they're going to be given opportunities to play. Um, they're not going to just be buried on the bench, and if they they can bring that defensive intens- intensity to it, then I think they can earn. 15, 18 minutes uh, in a night with without much question. Yeah, the question remains for those guys is, can they do enough offensively? I think right. particularly in the case of Okoji, the answer is probably no. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, his three-pointer did not look ready in summer league. He wasn't a great shooter in college. He's a little more comfortable on long twos, but, you know, that's not a shot that he's going to be dribbling into uh, on this team. Uh, 
Bates Jop, uh, he is older. You know, he also mm-hmm. plays a little bit more of a role. I think he can guard the three. I mean, he's almost a four yeah. in today's game. And but you know, he he also is you know his jumper is a little clunky right now. He he made himself into a reasonable shooter. You know, he's going to be twenty three this year. Uh, but again, getting him out to the NBA three point line, he's really more of a made shooter rather than a born shooter. And so I think that'll be something to watch. But if those guys can actually shoot well enough to keep the defense honest i agree i think they can provide an element defensively that this team really has been lacking you know because andrew wiggins for all of his tools you know he's gotten better defensively but he still is not that defensive playmaker uh, on the wing who can bring energy and you know and Tibbs has had some success going back to his chicago days with second units that are high energy defensive oriented second units and that was just the second unit just killed them last year right. i mean the starters were so good you know jimmy butler 8.3 net rating carl anthony towns 5.9 net rating and then you you know jamal crawford for example had basically the worst real plus minus in the nba because they always got killed whenever he was out there so i think that their bench makes a little more sense this year in terms of getting guys who can defend because especially their bench defense is what fell apart and then you know they can stagger butler and towns and those guys enough to get enough offense on the floor and at least not get killed defensively with these bench units yeah and, and i think you you hit on it there nate with their i i think with their in terms of when you look at their offense with with the the rookies and how they come along and how they work on their shot I think the good thing for them in this situation is I don't see them as being guys that when they go out onto the floor are going to be really relied on a ton to give them offense if they're out there with Tyus Jones with Derrick Rose with uh, Tolliver with even Gorgie Jang can knock down shots with the second unit um, if if he has his head on right and and is playing more to the level that he did previous to last year, which was a, not a very good year for him. Um, and yeah, and then if you mix and match them with starters a little bit more and some of their more offensive minded starters, they can at least start out their careers really focusing on um, on the defensive side of the ball and then hopefully blossoming out. I mean, you know, Jimmy Butler tells the story all the time about his first opportunities with with Tibbs in Chicago. Uh, you know, he he barely shot the ball ever at all. It was just getting into guys defensively and and trying to earn that role and earn that trust. And and I really see a similar path that way for both Akogi and Bates Jap. You know, go out there. If you have an open shot, take it. But I, I think that they, they are going to have enough offensive-minded uh, guys around them that, you know, they can really focus on the other end of the floor and not have to have that pressure to to make a bunch of shots. And so, and, and then that in turn will help their second unit. I mean, as you said, uh, you know, I don't I don't even think offense was that much of an issue for the second unit last year um, as it was that they were just getting their doors blown off defensively. And and so if they can somehow stop that bleeding and turn that even into just an OK unit and not not even like one of the best units in the league, like like Tibbs had early in Chicago, uh, that that will go a long way for the Wolves in term in terms of being able to be a little more competitive maybe rest their guys, their starters a little bit more and have a little bit more energy for the stretch runs of a lot of fourth quarters, which are probably going to be pretty close games when you're playing in this Western Conference. 
What's the story with James Nunnally? You know, some of his stats really yeah. jump out at you. In Europe, last year, he shot over 50% from three uh, on 210 attempts. And then he shot over 50% from three the year before on 190 attempts. So he's got 400 attempts of shooting over 50% from three, albeit from uh, that European line. And then he was over uh, 40% the two seasons before that. So he's definitely a shooter. You know, it doesn't appear to bring a ton else. Uh, you know, only had nine block shots uh, on the season, you know, so he's not really like that athletic three and D type necessarily, at least based on the stats. But what is the uh, the party line on, on what he's going to bring? If anything, I think he's got like 350,000 guaranteed on that two year daily side. Yeah, he so he 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 did his shooting numbers. I mean, three point numbers are ridiculous. His true shooting percentage is is insane as well. He's very efficient um, at the rim and, and at the free throw line and all of those things. So what, you know, what this team needs desperately is some three point shooting. And he figures to bring that to the table, a willing shooter. Um, when you talk to, I've talked to James Nunnally twice now, since he signed, I've talked to a couple of people who scouted, uh, Fenerbahce, um, and, and watched him play as well. And they all do say that he's actually a little bit more of a defender than maybe the stats show. Uh, what he was saying was that his um, it, it, every night when, when he played over there, he was the one that was generally tasked with guarding the best perimeter player on the other team. Um, you know, Oberdovich, the, the very famous and very demanding coach, uh, over there basically, uh, sent him a message as soon as he arrived a couple of years ago saying that if you don't play defense, you're not going to play period. And so he, um, he's a guy that at least has sort of had that beaten into him a little bit. Now, whether he can stay with NBA guys, especially on the perimeter remains to be seen. We don't know, but he, he is coming in saying that he's going to be ready to play defense for, for Tom Thibodeau. And, and he's going to have to be if he, if he wants to play, but he's a guy that has an interesting story. He's only played. Uh, he only had a couple of 10 days earlier on in his NBA career, went undrafted. Um, and then essentially with not many other options, went over to Italy to play for kind of a bottom feeder over there uh, just to try and get on track, help that team become uh, one of the better teams in the Italian league, was the Italian league MVP, then went to Fenerbahce, played with some real NBA talent over there, um, and, and has just been gradually working to it. So he comes over here now as a 28-year-old, kind of understanding that this is his last chance to really kind of solidify himself in the league. And he's going to come in and try and make a bunch of threes and, um, and and play a little bit of defense and see if he can get uh, his first real shot at being an NBA player uh, in his career. So I think there are some tools there that he has. He's, I think, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, so um, has a little bit of size there to to help and can play that 2-3. That So you can see why the Timberwolves were looking at him. They, I mean, they certainly have a need for a player like that. It's just a matter of can his European game and his European stats really translate um, over to the NBA, even on a on a more modest note. If that happens, I think the Wolves will be really happy with that. Yeah, and it'll really be interesting to see how the backup 
wings shake out, right? I mean, Teague, Wiggins, Butler, Gibson, Towns. I mean, those almost certainly are going to be the starters. But then you've got, you know, Derek Rose and Tyus Jones. You know, is Rose going to be the backup point guard? You mentioned he might play some two. You could argue he's more suited to that, at least in terms of his looking for a shot, if not his actually ability to shoot the ball. But you know, uh, he they've still got Tyus Jones could play off the ball a little bit when Rose goes and attack. Jones has made himself into a decent spot of shooter. You've got Okoji, Nunnally, Bates, G up. If they can get two of those guys to give them decent production, maybe even one, uh, you know, that opens up some lineups with Butler at the four, and it opens up some uh, a lot more interesting stuff, a lot more defensive versatility. Where with Crawford out there, I felt they just really could not defend with those second unit groups, and they and B elites as well. I mean, they really were looking for anybody with a pulse who who could defend on the wing, and now it sounds like they at least have some options there um right, let's take a quick break here and then uh we'll talk uh we'll talk to john about carl anthony towns extension uh, right after this but many of you already know what the athletic is john krasinski writes for the athletic in fact he as i mentioned is probably the guy who breaks the most wolves news locally uh, out of anyone and that's what the athletic is it's just better local covers they've also got great national stuff like danny's uh, of course uh, as well you can get just about all of his writing there and you get no ads no pop-ups no auto playing videos which are just the absolute bane of my existence some sites now you go to them and you have to hit stop on the auto playing video every time it's worth paying the subscription just for that and the athletic is really the future of sports journalism you've seen some of the great hires they've had sham sharani is going to be with the the athletic now jake laser in the nfl really maybe the two most effective newsbreakers shams is really up and coming i've known him for a while it's been great to follow his career see him end with the athletic and so if you've been thinking about subscribing to the athletic now's the time and you can do it with our link theathletic.com slash cap space and they'll get you 40 percent off your first year of subscription if you've been thinking about signing up or buying it as a gift as well to makes a great holiday gift great birthday gift i've actually bought a couple of people an athletic subscription as a gift theathletic.com slash cap space we're just starting out our partnership with them we're really hoping to expand it a lot and obviously if we get a lot of subscriptions out of this which is something you should be doing anyway it's probably the number one thing that you can do to improve your life as a sports fan right now theathletic.com slash cap space again is that url so there's been a lot of drama here in the off season and i'm not talking about jimmy butler commenting on uh, gabrielle (laughs) union's uh instagram photos uh but you know butler with a lot of cryptic instagram posts about how it's hard to lead people and uh you know carl towns has had some comments uh, indicating that you know he's not entirely happy with where things are you would think i mean we've seen basically any other player of towns's stature has done what he has in his first three seasons just gets the max offer right away at the start of free agency and signs that you're damian lillard you're anthony davis even devin booker in his class who's nowhere near the player that towns is has already signed for the max so uh what's the hold up here yeah it's been an interesting summer nate i mean there there is all of this kind of speculation slash um concern about team chemistry about some of you know the moves that have been made and 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 what's really going on here and uh, I, I think what I've reported at the athletic that they, he has a max offer uh, in front of him. And I think that right now, the way that towns is sort of playing this out is 
he he's trying to send a message that look um we're gonna go about this on my timeline and not yours and um you know i i think that there are some things that i want to talk about and discuss and try and assert myself a little bit more into the conversations than he maybe feels like he's had the opportunity to do before i mean i reported earlier this summer that you know, the Wolves decided to cut loose Vince Lagarza, who was a player development guy when, when Towns was first drafted here and was elevated to an assistant coach um, during Towns' time here. He's he's Towns' guy. He's the, the one that has worked most clo- closely with Cat throughout this summer or throughout his career. And so there was a lot of trust there between those two. Um, and, and it's hard to argue that guy did a bad job right. because Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> He's is really good. You know, one of the most skilled big men in NBA history. So That's right. Uh, yeah, and so and, and Town that move was made, and I, I don't think Towns was even consulted about it. And I don't know that you have to ask permission to do a, a move like that when you're the head coach and the, and the president of basketball operations, but I think it probably behooves you to, to at least make a phone call to Carl and say, hey, look, we're doing this. This is why we're doing it. This is how I think it's going to make us better and and, and, and that sort of thing. And that didn't happen. And I don't think that sat well with Carl. Um, I also, I you know, I don't think that the chemistry between Towns and Butler and Wiggins is is the greatest. Now, I, I, I've, I've said all along, I don't think they're at each other's throats. I also don't think it's issues that can't be quickly resolved with some honest con- uh, conversation. But I don't think that has happened yet either. And so... Um, so there needs to be some common ground found between all of the stockholders, uh, if you, if you will, with, uh, with the wolves. And, and so there's just a lot of kind of little brush fires that need to be put out. And I don't think anybody has been in the same city yet, really basically all summer long for that to happen. Um, but I think as we get closer to September here and, and, and training camps around the corner, I think all everyone's got to sit down and, and have conversations and, and find a common ground. And then I do believe that, you know, towns will sign the extension and, and, and everything will, will, will move forward. But you know, the, the reason that it hasn't been signed yet is because Carl, who has said twice now uh, publicly this summer, you know, there are some things we have to talk about. And so this is his kind of way of saying, um, I, I want to be heard and, and I want to have a little more skin in this game. Yeah. And we'll see how Tibbs and Glenn Taylor and Jimmy and all of that respond to this. So when you say max offer, I mean you can still have some negotiation yeah. points in there, right? There's the there's the issue of you know if he qualifies, he hasn't yet, uh, despite making third team All NBA, but you know he could qualify for up to thirty percent of the cap with this team potentially looking at tax issues. That might be an issue of like, all right, exactly where uh, are we going to draw the line if he makes third team All NBA? Does he get thirty uh, percent, or is he still going to be at twenty five, or is it going to be twenty seven and a half, or or you know? If he makes second team all NBA, is it going to be higher? You know, there's that. And then I think also, of course, there's the issue of, you know, a player option, a trade bonus. Uh, you know, that's something. I mean, do you ever think that that Towns would like demand a trade? Like, could he do you think it's, he could ever get to that point or is all, this all just posturing? I, I think no, I don't I don't think we're there uh, on that, Nate, uh, to, to demand a trade, at least certainly not right now. Could I see him signing an extension and then? 
you know, if if things aren't resolved to his satisfaction, doing it down the road, maybe. Um, but I, I don't have an indication that it's to that point yet where where he yeah. would do it immediately here. But I do with, agree with you that in terms of you know, there, there are some certain negotiating points that that he can look to try and get in there. Yeah, an option year, a trade kicker, you know, those sorts of things that he that would be. Uh, would be beneficial for him to have in there. And I could see the Wolves saying, boy, you know, we don't, we certainly don't want to give you an option year. Um, and we would much rather just do a straight five-year deal with, without a trade kicker. And, and, and so uh, that could be part of what they're working through here. And maybe there's going to be a kind of game of chicken that's played before it goes right down to the deadline to see, who blinks and 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 who gives in on that on that side of things? But uh, one thing that I know about Towns is that he's supremely confident in two things: in his ability to continue to be, you know, uh, an, an All NBA type of a player, and his ability to stay healthy. Um, and, you know, he's been, you know, knock yeah. on wood, he's been very underrated aspect of his game. Yep, he's yeah. as a big man, especially right, and so um, he's been out there every single game and he takes great pride in that. And you know, maybe that's foolish of him to, to think that it's always going to be that way, but that's his track record right now. So any kind of sort of efforts to, to kind of say, Hey, Carl, you better sign this thing in case you get hurt in a workout, in case you get hurt in the preseason or something like that and damage your value. I don't think that part, you know, if, if the wolves were to try and play that hand, I don't think it would, uh, it would be very effective for, for Carl in that regard. Yeah. Well, I, and I mean, uh, last point on this, uh, it's interesting to me because, you know, with the new designated player veteran extension, which wouldn't come into play until he has eight years of experience. But if you get traded within your first four years, you are eligible to sign that with your new team. If he signs this extension and then gets traded, he's not eligible mm-hmm. to sign that. So there is a little bit of an incentive. I mean, it, we'll see whether that actually starts mattering to people or not. But, you know, again, there does seem to be some unhappiness and certainly i mean just firing his guy it's actually very similar to what the knicks did with uh christophs porzingis and josh longstaff mm-hmm. uh you know without even talking to him does seem a little short-sighted although tom thibodeau uh not known for his emotional intelligence uh, shall we say here so uh, last co- i mean th- these are kind of more interesting questions here in some ways than what they're going to look like this season so i'm going to give you four people you tell me place them in order of who is most likely to be here still in 2019-20 tom thibodeau andrew wiggins jimmy butler carl anthony towns let's put them in order of who's most likely to still be around by the beginning of next season yeah um well i i'd put cat at the top um i think that you know the the wolves organization certainly glenn taylor understand that it's so hard to find a difference maker like him um to and and maybe they've had you know, maybe they want him to be a little more locked in defensively, or maybe they want to see him affect the outcome of games in his first two years a little more than he did or anything like that. But they all know, everyone knows that he's a legit all NBA guy. And, and uh, especially a guy like that who stays healthy, they're going to make every effort to keep him around here for the long term. Um, second, uh, that's going into next season. Probably Andrew Wiggins because uh, he it has a five-year deal, a max deal, which even if he requests a trade, 
for whatever reason. Um, it, it's it's not the easiest deal to move, I don't think, uh, right now, given so far yeah. his production. Uh, that that do, do you think he he has? Do you think he has value? You know, for, I've I've, I've league, had these conversations. Give up assets? Yeah, I, I've had these conversations with people around the league about this. Other executives, some agents. Um, about it. And um, my, my initial inclination is I don't think there's a whole lot of value there, but you know, a couple of people have said, look, there's always going to be one or two coaches or GMs out there who see his incredible athletic gifts and see some of the big games that he has put forward from a scoring standpoint and say, I can reach him, you know, Tibbs is, you know, uh, is a dinosaur. And so he's just the wrong guy for him, blah, blah, blah. Even if that's unfair to Tibbs, like that, someone will could, could see that and say, yeah, I'll, I'll try and take that on. But would they give much back in return? That's the question, because if the Wolves are going to trade Andrew Wiggins, they need something back in return. It can't be just a salary dump, given their salary cap situation and, and and everything going forward, wanting to stay relevant uh, in the league, they need to get talent back for him, and that's what would be the difficult thing, I think. Um, right. So that's why I think Wiggins number two. Um, I'll put Tibbs at three and Jimmy at four. And this doesn't again, this doesn't mean that Jimmy is for sure gone or or anything like that. I just think that it's this. This is a this is going to be a big year for the Wolves, both from Tibbs and Butler's standpoint. In terms of, you know, Jimmy has expressed his frustrations. He's made it known out there that he has been a little frustrated with kind of the way that some of the young guys have gone about their business. And um, and he's going to be a free agent. And he is not sort of tied to Minnesota in any way, really. I mean, he's been here for a year as a as a trade asset. And so he doesn't have that connection yet. So I think that there wouldn't be any real emotional attachment for him to, to, to pick up and go somewhere else. And he's made it clear that he wants to be contending for titles. Uh, as he's into his prime and, and and going into as 30 is not that far away from him for him. So uh, he'll ultimately be the one that decides if Minnesota pr- provides him the best chance to do that or if he's got to go to the Lakers or to Philly or to somewhere else, to Boston, to somewhere else, to, to the Knicks, to team up with Kyrie or whoever to try and do that. And, and, and so um, yeah, that's why I think that that's the one that you look at and say, we really don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler with Tibbs. You know, he, he has done a lot of good things here. Uh, he's certainly restored relevance to this franchise, brought him back to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. He also has an approach that isn't the most endearing to many people around here in the organization and things. And so he's sort of like, yeah. In that position and, of and he winner, he hasn't gotten else. them to defend. You know what's that? I mean, he hasn't gotten them to defend. Right. He hasn't that's gotten true. them to defend. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's like, I mean, all the bullshit that you have to deal with with Tom Thibodeau. The idea is, well, it's worth it because he gets these guys to play like crazy and they defend. And you know, once again, they're twenty third in defense last season. And so, let's turn to starting to project it the season a little bit here i mean i think we've talked about you know the rotational issues uh, already uh, i think enough but uh who do you see as uh, guys who can get a lot better on this team and, and i think probably the place to start there of whether we think he can or not it is uh as it perpetually has been andrew yeah i think that's the big that's the key to their whole thing here nate is will wiggins take that leap 
because I, I've said that I think the only way that they really do vault into a semi contender status, or at least a team that can win a, a, a playoff series or two is if Wiggins does make that leap. Because I think you can depend on Towns to continue to be an all-NBA guy and get better. I think you can depend on Butler. I think you can depend on 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 Teague to be who he is and, and, and Taj and those guys. But Wiggins is the X factor. And if he doesn't get better, if he, if he stays where he is or regresses, that really lowers the ceiling for this team. I am a guy who have, has been uh, hesitant to write him off Yet, because I do think last year, as much as he still has so much further to go, I saw more of the effort plays of the defensive, um, you know, uh, attention of of a lot of those things than I did in his first three years combined. Um, so I think from that aspect, I thought I saw improvement. Now he still has a long way to go, but um, but I do think he can take steps. I think there's another level for him to reach, but it will only happen if he if he kind of starts to find an intensity and a give a damn that we really haven't seen yet from him. Like that's been a question about him going back to Kansas. Uh, and, and even before he was drafted was, does this guy have the, the, the desire and the motor, especially now that that max contract uh, is kicked in that will he, will he do it? Um, we don't know Nate, because we haven't seen anything from him all summer. He could show up to training camp and be 25 pounds over weight or he could be cut and knocking down threes. Like we don't know. Like that's just the way that he does it. He avoids any kind of attention and spotlight all summer long. So that's to me, that's their big question. If Andrew Wiggins can make a leap, then I like their chances. If not, uh, they're probably going to be fighting for that eight, seven seed again. And, 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 and a first round knockout. Yeah. And Wiggins just to go over some of his stats from last year, which was offensively easily the worst season of his career, five Oh five true shooting. That is over four points below the league average by far the worst free throw rate of his career. 24%. He had been, yeah, that was a bad one. Uh, he even, you know, would get on the offense of glass every once in a while that he was worse than that than he'd ever been uh you know still didn't really defensive rebound at all uh 33 for three he did shoot more threes than he had 26 percent of his shots from downtown but overall he was less efficient and had lower usage i mean he was 29 percent usage in 16 17 down to 23.4 usually that means all right we're going to get more efficient but you know i'm not sure he has the skill set for that i mean he did look a little more comfortable from three taking more difficult attempts deeper attempts uh uh, but you know, bringing in Jimmy Butler, uh, that ate into a lot of his role offensively, and he doesn't really have the skill set to be more of a supporting player on offense. And you know, those rumors came out of him being upset, being uh, the third option. Uh, I argued that he really should be the fourth option behind uh, Jeff Teague, frankly. <laughs> uh, but you know, he did get better defensively. I, I noted that he he was trying. He made some pretty nice hustle plays. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really you know he was I think uh, in the fifties in real plus minus uh, amongst 
small forwards last year so it, he's got to get a lot better um anyone else you see that i mean you know you, you talked about that uh, of whether he really can get better but uh anyone else you see as like a real improvement candidate i mean i guess you could talk about the defense of carl anthony towns another constant refrain here mm-hmm. in discussing this team yeah and and just to finish up on wiggins yeah. too i think the, the the key for them is is that wiggins and butler have to kind of figure out how to complement each other and not step on each other's toes and their games are so similar they both rely on mid-range more than threes they 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 want to get to the basket and 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 wiggins just um especially with those free throw percentage falling like it did that that was a killer for yeah. them well, free throw uh, because and free throw one of his percent. strengths is he was down to 64 yeah, one of his strengths previously yeah, one of his strengths previously was using that athleticism to overwhelm defenders and get to the bucket and then shooting 76% for his career before 64% last year. So um, they have to figure that out and and, it, and and just make their decision on if that pairing can even work at all because they are so similar. But, um, you know, you look at, yeah, and then I would say, yeah, the, the other candidate for improvement, as good as Carl is, is is – him taking another step defensively. Um, he was really bad defensively early in the season uh, last year, just looked totally kind of out of sorts and, and didn't really understand what he, what Tibbs wanted them to do and was maybe um, kind of wondering in his head why they were doing some of the things that they were doing. It just wasn't working. I think late in December into January, he started to turn a corner there and became more of a difference maker on that end. Um, but I think that's it, it. That's the area for his game to really improve, to help him move from maybe third team to second team or first team all NBA is um, if he becomes a, a, a more of a force from, from a shot blocking standpoint, just more uh, eliminate some of the, the, the mental mistakes that are made defensively and just become more stout on that end. And, you know, if he does, do those things and which he, I think has the physical ability to do um, and, and just comes with greater understanding of the league and, and, and how important defense is to being really good in this league. If he does that, I mean, now you're talking moving into the top 10 of players in the league and, 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 and entering into that to the, you know, in the, over the next couple of years, maybe even getting some MVP discussion, uh, because he's so he's that good to offensively that if he can just get that defensive part of his game to to rise closer to where his offensive game is at, I mean, you're talking about you know just one of the very elite players in this league. Why did he suck so bad in the playoffs? You know, it, it's a great question, um, and I there's no question. One of the one of the things that has bothered Towns and really the Wolves in general during his time here are sort of the high-energy bigs. You know, the the guys who just go in and just try to outwork you on the glass, run the floor, um, yeah. get physical. They've had some trouble you know. defensive rebounding late in games, too, and, yes. and in, that, in that Houston series as well. Carl is not yep. amazing there. I mean, You're right, and so, cu- minutes, you know, but yeah, still. I mean, he, you know, I, I even look back to a guy like Trevor Booker is a guy who has given them problems over the years just because 
he just goes out there and just tries to beat people up and and attack and attack and 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 outwork people and so that's I mean Capella I mean he just beat Towns down the floor over and over again and I do think that there was some confusion too on Towns's part in terms of what he was being asked to do offensively you know he was fairly passive offensively in that series and you wondered why why aren't they getting him more shots why aren't you know why isn't why isn't he more involved and some of it was I think that he was getting pushed around and not not getting early position like they wanted uh that they wanted him to do but I think some of it too is I think Towns thought that that he was a second or third option uh you know I, I, in those uh in that series and and so he was looking at moving the ball a little bit more and there may have been some miscommunication that way but certainly no one was on the same page in that series when it came to Towns and 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 keeping him involved um you know Jeff Teague said midway through the series like we got to get Cat more shots he's just like like that's just got to happen and and it just it never really materialized and you know Butler was banged up and he wasn't playing that well I thought Wiggins was their best player for the first three games of the series and then he fell off and and so um th- th- it, it does go back to though that I just don't know that Towns and Tibbs have have seen totally eye to eye on his involvement and what the best way is to utilize him yet, because there just doesn't seem to be that level of trust between the two that has been established yet. And I think it was really exposed in that series. Yeah, and it's been, of course, a, a emphasis just to simply make the playoffs. It looked like they were going to do so comfortably until the Butler injury. They did manage to stay in it, but you know, it had a really difficult matchup against Houston. But you know, we now, as you mentioned, you know, Jimmy Butler, he wants to feel like he's in championship contention. We're not talking about just being good in the regular season here, which you know, and I think Thibodeau's teams have almost always disappointed in the playoffs. Whether that's because they're easier to defend. I mean, I think offensively is where they they really have struggled you know they had the number four offense last year but you know Houston shut them down because you know I think a lack of shooting a lack of uh really any kind of a plan whatsoever in attacking Houston switching defense um and then also mm-hmm. some individual failures I mean I thought there were times when Towns had a mismatch and just you know was not right. able to deliver even when they weren't sending a ton of help in those situations which that was just a weird disappointment for me because he just kills everyone in the post in the regular season um but you know without enough spacing this team is easy to guard in the postseason despite some of the individual brilliance that they have and so if they're going to win around I mean you have to imagine that if Butler is serious about this hey I'm going to stick around you know if the you know it seems like the five-year deal that the incumbent team can offer is less and less appealing to these guys uh you know if that's money is going to be the only advantage you know because you mentioned Philly the Lakers I mean they're going to be a, a you know even like a Utah would probably be a better place right. to, for Butler to go so I mean there there are a lot of places he can go unless they take a significant step forward they give him a better chance of winning and so that's why I think how this team is going to match up in the playoffs is so important and you know it looks like they, they really looked totally overwhelmed uh, in that Houston series although obviously that's a wonderful team but you the fact that they just couldn't score at all after being the number four offense in the regular season was a massive disappointment and they just appeared to have no plan against the switching whatsoever yeah and it, it was really kind of weird to watch too Nate because you the, you're right that they, they they couldn't get the ball in the basket at all uh, but I thought actually in the first couple of games, especially really in the first three games of the series, they played pretty well defensively against just an offensive juggernaut. Um, you know, they, they, they ended up getting run out. It, it, they ended up running away from them in, in one of those early games, but 
but they were playing pretty game one. They were in it all the way to the end. And it was because it, and whether you can say maybe it was just Houston missing shots um, that they normally make, but, uh, but the Rockets did have to work and, 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 and try and figure some things out to, to get rolling. And then they did in the second half of game four is when they just put their foot on the gas and just buried the Wolves yeah, that, that uh, going through game four and game five. Quarter, yeah. Which was just was it in game one of the most amazing yeah. things I've ever seen. So, um, but yeah. but it, yeah, before that, it was it was the defense that was actually you know, kind of keeping them in games, but they just couldn't they could not come up with any timely threes. Um, Towns was not couldn't get involved, or or like you said, when he was involved, was not taking advantage of of any mismatches that that were created, and and so it was just totally discombobulated from what we had seen from them in the regular season, and I I do think that a lot of the additions and changes and even though there there're more changes on the margin than they are headlining moves this summer have been geared toward giving Tibbs some more versatility and more options to try and kind of tinker with lineups and change things up and give different looks and add a little bit of spacing and shooting and certainly a lot of defense so that they can uh, so that they don't get exposed quite as easily as they did, especially later on in that series uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. And I thought that Taj Gibson really, the way he would just be standing in the short corner and they were helping off of him like crazy that, that made things a lot more difficult And that, you know, whether it's Nunnally, whether it's Tolliver, whether it's Butler at the four and they get another shooter on with, with him, although I don't know, I don't, I could see that being Derek Rose if they're going to play with Butler at the four. And I don't know how good to feel about that. I mean, Jeff Teague, I think actually he might've had the best series of anyone in that Houston series. I thought he, he really attacked quickly off the dribble the way you need to against switches against mismatches but uh you know so i think that those guys are going to be really important so we're going to do predictions and i know you are champing at the bit to do that since you nailed them exactly <laughs> as you have reminded me on uh no fewer than like five or six occasions uh over the last year or so but i want to talk about a couple of factors first in projecting this team i, I think there are some reasons to believe they could be a lot better and they're you know some low-hanging fruit as far as getting better but there are also some reasons reasons to believe that they could take a step back the first low-hanging fruit is just how they played with the bench units right i mean you mentioned how bad they were mm-hmm. with crawford on the floor you know and i don't know that crawford by his standards even had that bad of a season again i think it was just you know a fit issue when he and wiggins right. would be out there for example so if they could get better defensively and, and you know remember their starting unit actually defended pretty well you know i mean that starting yeah unit i think they were the in most top 10 or 12 yep Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, and Tibbs is still has that defensive pedigree. It's been a couple of years now; he hasn't been able to implement that. But maybe with better personnel, it's possible. So there are ways you could see the bench being a lot better this year. Uh, there are ways that you could see, you know, certainly the defense getting better again. You know, you wouldn't imagine it'd be worse uh, with better personnel and just you know, Towns and Wiggins have got to get a little bit better. Uh, so those are some reasons for optimism. I mean, any others you could look at? It's like, all right, here's why these guys might be better than they were last year well yeah i think that just certainly you could argue that playing together for another year um will help in terms of continuity i mean if you bring the same starting five back that just know each other a little better maybe butler and wiggins figure out a way to adjust to each other a little bit more and 
and accentuate you know themselves rather than 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 getting each other's way uh maybe Wiggins takes a little step forward from three-point shooting you know those kinds of things so I think that continuity will help uh will help things I mean um whenever you're making wholesale changes and having to get to know each other and 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 all those things can factor in so I, I would put that as a reason for optimism you know and it and and that's that's kind of and just the versatility I think that they have they have a little more they have a few more lineup options than they did a year ago um, so I think guys will, should be pretty comfortable in their roles or at least understanding what they are going into this season which is important when when you have those defined roles and 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 so you know what you're going to get so that that's what I would add to the to the thoughts of okay this is why you know they could take another step win another four or five games or whatever you want to call it yeah so some reasons for pessimism now jimmy butler coming off of a a knee surgery uh he is Mm -hmm. going to be 29 this year a guy who uh, is an athletic player uh you know took a little bit of a step back in usage not a surprise given the number of uh, players uh, that they have uh, on this team who who can shoot the ball you know didn't pass quite as much i mean i think uh, coming off that surgery a lot of uh tread off the tires uh, over the course of his career so he's someone that i think could take a little bit of, of a step back this year jeff t as well you know i think he's going to be 30 this season another guy who's pretty reliant on athleticism so a reason to think maybe that those guys aren't gonna be as good gibson you know gave them more than i think anyone could have expected tolliver you know he's in his early 30s maybe he's not gonna be the same player he was these last few years you know when he really helped some some teams uh so they do have some potential age-related regression but uh, you know derrick rose who knows whether he's gonna stay healthy or not and then there's just the overall kind of disaster potential potential the vibe from this team that that you know maybe tom thibodeau uh, could get fired maybe butler even you know the season goes not according to plan and and they actually have to think about trading him at the deadline you know there's uh it maybe weakens just he's never going to take a step forward so you know i think when you throw all of that together i kind of see them around the same level as last year do you think that's uh is that kind of how you're seeing it as well yeah i mean i think that's pretty fair i mean there you know you also factor in the west and it's only tougher this year and so i mean you know the lake you look at it, it was really kind of a, a worst case scenario for them for LeBron to go to the Lakers because if he would have gone to uh, Houston or to even o- stayed over uh, in the East and, and went to Philly or Boston, you know, that that doesn't really affect them as much because they're not they're not challenging for the Western Conference Finals or the or the NBA Finals this year in in most in all likelihood. So, but when he goes to a team that is out of the uh, the the playoffs and is behind the Wolves, um, you and and so thereby no doubt raises the Lakers' level a little bit. That increases. That just brings another team they're going to be fighting with. I think Denver is going to be better. They didn't make it. I think Dallas is going to be better. They didn't make it. Um, you know, a, a lot of teams made big time moves that were behind them in the standings where the Wolves made smaller moves and are hoping for internal improvement. And so that's, you know, that's a scary proposition. Um, you know, the other, yeah, but I think for me, 
the 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 the, the biggest reason to have concern or think that they're either going to stay where they are or or take a step back is is the health related stuff. I mean, you know, Jimmy Butler, I don't think will regress from a production standpoint, but. Let's just look at his his recent seasons. Last year, he played 59 yeah. games, 76 the year before, 67, 65, 67. He misses 15 games a year. Like, that's what he does right now. Yeah. And so they need to keep him healthy to because if they do that, they're they're a really good team. Um and, but but that's a hard thing to uh, to to do right now. Derrick Rose, another one who played well at the end of last year with the Wolves, and I think surprised some people, but still missed like seven games in that little stretch that he was with the Wolves with an ankle injury. So um, they have to keep their these guys healthy some way somehow, and they do. I mean, they really have to find a way to roast some marshmallows and you know, go camping together or do some <laughs> team building thing. That, that, that whatever is, a very, it is a very Minnesota, a very Minnesota <laughs> yeah, analogy there. Absolutely. You know, and, and go Hopefully fishing. Before do, it gets too cold. <laughs> do, do, yeah. Do, it, do something. Do yes. Do something. Go to the state maybe, fair and have some walleye fishing? on a stick, you know? Yeah. Can, can yeah. Anything like together? that. Sure. Pekovic <laughs> is a big ice fisherman back in the day, just so you know. Um, <laughs> But um, they have to they have to get all of the bullshit put to rest. You know, they, they have to just find a way to say, look, we are a very talented team um, when we are all out of our own way and we're all playing together. We have a, a high level of talent on this team and the ability to win a lot of games. And so if we put whatever agendas, whatever personality conflicts are behind, uh, aside of for, uh, for a minute, which I think they can do, um, then, then I think they, they can come together and, and be really, really effective. But if not, that's always going to hold them back. You just, you don't get the feeling that these guys are all in the boat rowing in the same direction. I mean, that's just, uh, that's what it is. And, uh, yeah. until they prove otherwise, you know, you got to wonder about that side of things. Yeah, I mean, and even the owner too. I mean, you know, he certainly is not blameless for really right. what's been kind of two decades of futility from a management standpoint, at least with this team. You know, he'll go on local radio and he'll just say some shit or whatever. Like, you know, it's uh, he's one of the more visible owners actually in the media. You know, just going on like random shows and stuff locally and saying some stuff that's a little odd. All right, well, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Uh, I will. <laughs> I will go first, though. I'm going to yep. peg these guys for 48 wins. Uh, I had said 51 a year ago. You had 47. And you ended up being right. Uh, you know, I mean, I do think that Towns and Wiggins can take a step forward. I'm worried about Butler's health. You know, I think the fit's a little better on the roster than it was last year. I like this roster a little bit better than last year's. So uh, that's, a, but uh, again, I mean, they have not shown the ability to be any good without Jimmy Butler on the floor as a team. So uh, I'm kind of hedging with all those and saying they're going to be about how they were last year yeah and and the reason i take my victory lap with you so often nate is because i'm so often wrong so whenever <laughs> i get a rare opportunity where i'm actually right i gotta let people know about it just so just so i can remind them and and and, and wallow in it because it's like that whole well act like you've been there before kind of a thing why are you celebrating well I, i'm very rarely there so i'm going to celebrate my wins when i can get them but this one um 
It is. It's hard because I can see it going one of two ways. I could see it going really well and things coming together and and everyone staying moder- relatively healthy and, and them really kind of taking off. Or I could see them uh, imploding underneath their own issues, both health-wise and chemistry-wise, and really disappointing. So with that said, I'm actually going to go – uh, a little bit more conservative in terms of I'm not going to say 55 wins or anything like that, but I, I'm going to say I think they're going to go to 50 wins. Um, and I think they're going to find a way to mitigate sort of some of the internal strife and conflict and just be professionals and adults and, and, and get that part going and win 50 games. Um, I don't see them going to 55 and vaulting into – Western Conference semifinals kind of issue situations yet or anything like that. But um, but I think they can make a few steps forward just because I do like the versatility that they've added. I think the pieces on the bench fit better for what Tibbs wants. And I do think in the end, just the competitiveness of Towns and Butler, are it's going to be enough for them to say, all right, look, let's stop this drama. Let's go win some games and, and, and try and capitalize on it. So last year I was more pessimistic than you. This year I'm just a little bit more, I'm two wins more optimistic than you are. And, and, and so that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, and I think this team, you know, I, I thought that there was a way they could win mid-50s last year. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's quite possible again this year. You know, I mean, with, with health from Butler, I mean, if he's healthy all year, they had an 8.3 net rating when he was on the floor. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a 55 would Yeah, he missed 23 games. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Now, again, probably likely to do that again. And just, you know, it seems like the things are adding up. He had this hand surgery. Like, there always seems to be mm-hmm. something that's nagging there for him. Um, So would that be your best case scenario as well, but 55 wins? Oh, yeah, I think I think that's best case scenario is if he really stays healthy and and they um, and they do all come together and coalesce. Yeah, I think they could they could best case scenario get to around 55 wins and 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 do a little bit of damage in the playoffs and and make some teams work uh, that way. Uh, You know, maybe he maybe Butler misses eight to 10 games or something um, or maybe even like even less eight games, six to eight games. And and then they can get to there. But if they can keep them into in a in a 10 or 12 range then maybe 50 is is a little more realistic yeah and for a worst case scenario i had them at 39 uh i think that yeah. they especially if you know butler misses more time you know that's not and again you know we're not talking about worst case scenario carl anthony towns you know missing the entire season trade. yeah right mm-hmm. right yeah or but so you know maybe they end up having to trade butler just because they're not going well mm-hmm. or he misses enough time i mean i could see them all the way down at 39 this year you know maybe they just start playing the rookies tibbs gets fired halfway through the year and you know things just uh, get even worse but i mean they better be good this year man i mean this is they you know it's funny i mean we were lauding them for trading for butler last year i don't think they've done a very good job since that trade um you know we haven't even mentioned the name justin Patton once yet like is he even still yeah. alive uh, at this point <laughs> I mean, and now you know we nobody knew he was gonna str- basically miss an entire year due to these foot issues because he's didn't even play in summer league but you know the, the fit for him didn't make a much a 
ton of sense at 16 and you know they haven't really been able to get any other difference makers they had a bunch of space in the summer of 2017 they went with gibson and teague and you know they they got to the playoffs they made that step but you know i'm not sure what the plan is even if they can retain butler at this point to get into championship contention other than just towns and wiggins being that good but you know the the franchise was always relying on those guys being that good or they were never going anywhere anyway yeah that's uh, i i think you're fair and, and I, I i there is a potential if things don't go well if the chemistry issues aren't resolved if someone if jimmy butler misses a lot of games this year again which is i mean you can say that with any team right if they lose their best player for for 40 games they're in trouble but but i think with butler it's more realistic to think that's a possibility of right you know not maybe not, not half the season but 20 games and and that's a hard thing to overcome and 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 so um if 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 they don't get on the same page and and figure some of their internal drama out yeah i think it's 39 38 37 wins is is possible in a very tough Western Conference where there are not going to be many nights off at all. Um, they, they could fall absolutely. Um, you, I, I think that the I would I would venture to guess that the on the spectrum of best case scenario and worst case scenario, the the Wolves may have one of the widest gaps in the NBA going into this season. Um, you know, they they have the potential to be really good, and they also have the potential to uh, really run into trouble. And and so you're right in terms of this is the year for them. Uh, you know, they 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 got the monkey off their back last year and and got into the playoffs finally after all of those uh, all those years missing. But um, you know, they have to take another step forward this year, I think, for everyone to feel good about in the organization about keeping Tom Thibodeau around, for Jimmy Butler to want to stay around, and the Wolves to want to invest incredibly, you know, throw a ton of money at a at a guy who has had his injury issues and and is 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 going to be approaching thirty years old. Um, and and so, you know, these are, this is the year, this is going to be the defining year of whether last year was, was like kind of the springboard toward long-term relevance for the wolves or whether last year was just a blip in the radar and they regress. Yeah, and I, I will say this is not the sunniest note to end on, but in some <laughs> ways, this reminds me a lot, Jimmy Butler's situation of Gordon Hayward's, right? Where it's like, oh man, you know, Utah, they exceeded expectations. They made it to the second round finally. And then he left anyway to go to a better situation, you know? And I think, mm-hmm. I don't think the Wolves will necessarily be looked at as a bad situation, but I mean, there are some intimidating teams, Philly, you know, that have the Lakers that look like still, I mean, it's just hard to to say i mean i'm not one of these oh you know small market no one wants to be in a small market but just as far as a long-term competitiveness standpoint especially if this team doesn't really blow up this year and towns and wiggins just kind of you know maybe take incremental stats to kind of be the same guys that they have been i mean if you're jimmy but you're like all right well what is our path to getting into championship contention you're, you're really hard pressed to find that even if you know maybe they win a hard-fought first round series and then they get worked in the second round by the rockets or uh or the warriors you know you're still i mean i think getting swept by the warriors maybe for gordon Hayes Hayward almost put it into starker relief of how not close Utah was. And maybe, you know, if no matter how well they do in the regular season, I mean, it's really going to have to be decent in the playoffs. You know, they're going to, they might go out in the second round, but they got to at least be competitive in the second round. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough ask for this group. Yeah, I I agree, Nate, when you look at it, because I think in this Warriors era, um, 
players understand that you are so far away as is like you, you can't just be on a really good team. You, you have to be on a great team to have a chance. And, and so you could even make the argument that the Wolves could be, could be really good this year. They could win, let's say, 53 games and win the first round series and and do a lot of the right things and and then lose to the Warriors uh, in the second round. And Jimmy could say, you know what, man, you know, Towns is good and Wiggins is good. It, it took some steps and man, you know, uh, you know, I think Tibbs, I, I trust Tibbs as a coach and all those things, but we're not beating the Warriors. So now I got to go find, now I got to go team up with LeBron or I got to go team up with, you know, Kyrie or, or find a way to get to, to with Embiid and Simmons and those guys and, and make like a super team not just a really good team, but a super team to, to have this chance. And, and so um, that's the daunting task for the wolves is to show it, it. I don't, yeah, I agree. I don't think it has anything to do with the market. It just has to do with the talent that you put out there. And can you reasonably expect to get into a series with one of the heavyweights of heavyweights and, and be able to punch it, stand in the ring toe to toe with them and, and make them work. And, that's what a lot of teams are running into right now. A lot of problems, and I don't know. Um, uh, it, it, it's a it's a steep hill to climb, but I also know that you know Jimmy really likes Tibbs. He loves the power and influence that he has in this organization. And if if Towns makes another step toward second team All NBA and really shows that you know here's a guy that I can hitch my wagon to who's going to be out there every every night and is probably going to be a, a chance to be as good or better than some of the other guys I could go sign with. He could stick around. Uh, the, it's not a lost cause by any stretch of the imagination, but it is. It's 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 impossible to overstate kind of the importance of this season on the Wolves' kind of immediate and near long term future here, um, and and whatever happens and how the dust settles with it. Yeah, and Butler. I mean, his, his legacy is a four time All Star right now. Didn't really become a star until age twenty five. You know, maybe he makes another All Star team this year, but you know, if he never gets past the second round of the playoffs. Uh, and only gets past the first round once in his career as a main guy you know if you want to be like a hall of famer hey you know that's probably not going to get you there so all right i've kept you way too long here so uh we can sign off but uh follow john's work at the athletic and uh your twitter handle where i would say actually you probably break the most wolves news uh, of anyone uh give us that too please yeah it's just at john krasinski not the actor but j-o-n-k-r-a-w-c-z-y N-S-K-I. All right. Well, thanks again, John, and looking forward to reading uh, all your stuff on The Athletic throughout the season. Hey, thanks for having me, Nate. I really appreciate it. Time to talk a little Detroit Pistons with the king of Detroit, one Dan Feldman. How's it going, man? Uh, Great. Happy to hear about my promotion. How are you? (laughs) Well, it's really more of a hereditary title. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that's uh, that's where our country is going. We we have uh, just hereditary titles now. Uh, but the king of Pistons basketball coverage, perhaps I think, would be uh, the way to put it at this point. And uh, although you don't specifically cover the Pistons anymore, you are at most of their games and uh, did start Piston Powered back in the day. How do you do? You miss the Piston Powered Twitter handle as your own Twitter handle? You know, of all the things I don't care about, that is right. <laughs> up there 
man. If you want to read my tweets, follow my tweets. What the handle says, man. I, I don't know. I've never thought about that. Yeah, no, I, I guess uh, that's interesting. Well, if you don't care about having the pistons in your Twitter name, maybe you need a demotion from uh, from King to uh, sub sub King or something like that. Uh, well, see now now you set up the expectations. If you had just like demoted me to sub King like before this podcast, that'd be fine. I wouldn't have even known I was momentarily King, and now I'm pretty disappointed. <laughs> well, maybe if we do a good podcast we can uh get the promotion back up here so um <laughs> what are you most interested in in this piston season i mean they had these additions last year with blake griffin we didn't really get to see too much of him with reggie jackson with their full team but it also feels like this team is so stale and they just win 39 games every year and maybe if you're lucky they win 43 or 44 and they sneak into the eighth seat but this is just what they are uh these last few years so what is there to be intellectually interested in about this piston season yeah big picture i'm not sure they escape that zone of team that that bubble playoff team they seem to be headed right back there uh, but i am curious about how andre drummond and blake griffin fit together it went better than i expected last year but that is over so? a relatively how small sample well so when the pistons so let's say him that he have a major offensive role I think that's been very clear throughout his career. And, you know, for a while, the Pistons tried to appease him by giving him post-ups. You kind of cut off slightly when you said his name, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, Andre Drummond. Uh, They tried to appease him by giving him post-ups, and those went terribly. He was an awful post-up player. They were so inefficient. And so Stan Van Gundy very cleverly came up with uh, an idea of, well, Andre, what if we put you in the high post? And we're going to run a ton of action around you and you're going to be a distributor. And he was a way better passer than I expected him to be. He really thrived in that role. He improved as a, a lot as a player to be able to do it. Uh, and then the Pistons acquired Blake Griffin, who is also somebody who is kind of that big man passing hub. And there's only one ball. And I wasn't sure that would work. I thought they'd step on each other's toes. And maybe they will. A lot of the reason it worked better than expected is when they shared the court, the Pistons ran more than I thought they would. A lot of times, Blake Griffin would get the rebound, and he would lead the the fast break. There was a there was a real up tempo team when the two of them played together. A lot of times, and Andre Drummond really active, ran the court hard, got easy looks in transition, set up by Blake Griffin, and so there seemed to be enough to go around because they ran so much. I don't know if they'll do that over the full season. If they can keep that up, that could work out well. Uh, But if they face more half-court situations, maybe they step on each other's toes or maybe they have another adjustment coming uh, that I don't know what it'll be. And that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, that's an interesting point about running more. And that is a skill that Griffin has to push the ball. Uh, And and the, the thing that most worried me about them when Griffin came in is just 47% from two for Blake Griffin. And, you know, 35% from three, that actually wasn't bad, right? And the fact that he's he actually is doing his best to evolve and stay relevant with declining athleticism, but it just doesn't seem like Blake has the ability to just go bang in the post and and beat even you know a, a, like a Thaddeus Young size kind of guy. You know what we used to call a combo forward is now really kind of more of the power forward archetype. But Blake is supposed to be way stronger and bigger than those guys and just go bludgeon them. And, and he just really you know forty seven percent from two. A lot of that is shooting outside. But I felt 
felt when he really tried to get into the post and attack he just wasn't able to be that efficient and then you run into the fact that he's also playing with drummond who has a very little range and that makes that more difficult and that leads to uh, blake griffin shooting a ton of long twos the last year took 30 percent of his shots at the rim which is 25th percentile at in his position which is really ugly and then you know he's taking 17 percent of his shots as long twos over 40 percent of his shots are twos outside of the restricted area and you know even with him taking more three it's just so hard to be efficient when you have that kind of a shot distribution and the, the team though they need the shot creation they uh when your biggest usage guy is shooting like that it's, it's just tough to have a real good offense this is probably a good moment to just appreciate how much blake griffin has improved skill wise since he came into the league and if he hadn't you know he might have been he wouldn't be out of the league, but he would be so diminished. And the league is changing so much around him. He's trying to keep up in a lot of ways. But I mean, he came in, he was a dunker. That's what he was known as. And he, he could do more than that. But he was really known as just a dunker. And to develop these skills where he can get off these shots, where he has this ball handling, where he can create for himself like this, where he can create for others. Uh, it's interesting to see this evolution because as you get at, look at the most uh, efficient thing you can do is, is create these dunks. If you're Blake Griffin, right? And he decided a couple years ago, I'm not going to well, dunk I, as much. I, I mean, he came always, out and said I it. I mean, he did say that, but I don't think he can dunk as much either. I think that's the greater thing. It's, it's easier to dunk a lot when you can actually like jump higher. And more importantly, when you have more explosion to go through guys and, and just get into position to do that to begin with. It goes hand yeah. in hand, right? Like, of, of course, he was never going to decide that earlier in his career. He could dunk, probably dunk yeah. more than he is right now. If like that, if he were set he, on that. He, want, but he he's wanted content. to say that he was breaking up with the rim when the rim is kind of breaking. <laughs> up with him and, and that's what's really happening here i think definitely definitely agree it's some of both it's some of both right i mean it, it's a mutual it's thing both. i think it's ah, mutual i think but it, no, that's always, I, that's bs i well i'll say this i think it was mutual when he said it but i think the rim has moved on more easily <laughs> than he has because uh, i'm not sure he could do it anymore this is this was a couple years ago uh, he's not that right. same caliber caliber of athlete anymore yeah i mean i think the, really the last time we saw him at that true all nba type of level you probably got to go back to the 2015 playoffs when he was unbelievable uh, against the Spurs and uh, also even in the beginning of that series against Houston and since then I mean we really other than some flashes have not seen the guy who was just you know, that good of a player and remember this guy was third in MVP and perhaps justifiably so uh, back in 2014 but this is uh we're five years past that now unfortunately and uh but it, so yeah go ahead have can you think how many how often does that so the Pistons acquired him and all the hype was like oh the Pistons got a star he hadn't been an all-star in three years usually even as players who are as high as Blake Griffin were at their peak a high majority of them once they lose their all-star status for three years like that's it there's no coming back to it like how often are there players who are still treated as a star considered still a star when they're that far removed from actually being a star yeah well I mean treated it depends who you ask right if you're asking the Detroit Pistons front office and by all <laughs> accounts you know they were very much on board with this even though Stan Van Gundy was still nominally the head of basketball operations at that time you know that seemed like something there everyone was on board with you know if you ask uh I mean I don't, I don't know does he even have that many commercials anymore you might 
might be like out uh, on that too uh, at this point but um you know and certainly if you ask the, the clippers who gave him that contract though that i think they always kind of had it in mind to move him but yeah i mean that's an interesting question about blake is just you know where is he for his position i mean you think there's any chance he makes the all-star team even in the eastern conference this year it's not too late for the nba to change its format and get as long as we're gonna have captains pick teams i i still think it's possible that as soon as next year you could have it being uh you know it won't matter what conference you're from or maybe only for starters or something like that and that would obviously hurt his case but if it stays in the east I think he has a chance, yeah. but uh, you know, I would pick against him. Yeah, I mean, he's going to put up you know points per game, uh, and he's going to take a lot of shots on this Pistons team. That's how he's built. You know, maybe if the Pistons surprise and they look like they're more on track. I mean, they did have some moments last year when they were looking pretty good, uh, and then when Jackson went down again, I mean, that's just been such an Achilles heel for them. Much as much as they complain about Reggie Jackson not being that good, and you know, some people saying that he's overpaid and blah blah, like the fact that they just go completely off a cliff whenever he gets injured is uh i think a pretty decent indication uh that he that might they, ha- that they don't have good point guard depth well it's not even, i don't think that they even have that <laughs> point guard like ish smith i think has been a reasonable option as a backup point guard but uh they, yeah their third point guards have always been pretty ugly but i, I don't know yeah so but black to blake griffin i mean i think if the pistons do well as a team and he puts up points you know it's just it, it's very hard for me to see how he has a true shooting percentage that's like more than league average i think if he could even get there you have to be happy and, and this pistons team where were they do you happen to know i'll stop your eye i can look it up while you talk but where they were offensively after the the griffin trade or is that not even a good question because jackson was out most of that time yeah, I don't know where they were. I do think it's a good question, though, uh, because getting – I am curious. You looked this up. I do have uh, – well, while they were running with Griffin and Drummond, that was with a lot of Ish Smith, who's happy to run. He's one of the fastest players in the league. That worked out well, and it worked out really well for Drummond, getting a lot of easy looks. So I am curious about how well they did that. Uh, Reggie Jackson is a half-court player. He isn't really – usually in the condition to run uh he gets winded you know for an nba player fairly easily i you know i don't want to make that distinction i'm not sitting here on my couch saying that reggie jackson gets winded easily but relative to his peers he he does you know and uh so i wonder about his ability to run if they can keep up that same style so i you know i i am curious what exactly they were offensively after the trade and uh, specifically if you have it what they were with drummond and griffin on the court together well, i can get that i have blake griffin and reggie jackson together that was only 92 possessions basically one full game's worth uh so really can't draw any conclusions from that uh griffin and drummond on the other hand 1200 possessions and plus 1.8 which is i mean for a starting you know most of the time they're playing together it's probably your starting unit your best players playing together though as, as you mentioned jackson really didn't play that much so uh plus 1.8 that's not that great but i mean the fit with ish smith as well and then stanley johnson blake griffin andre drummond reggie bullock sometimes you'd throw luke Kennard in there as well but the half of those possessions were what was their starting lineup for a while with smith bullock johnson who can't shoot griffin and drummond so and that actually they were plus 5.7 with that group out there but they did it mostly on the defensive end uh, allowing 98 points per 100 possessions they were not an efficient offense with that group they were right around uh you know 30th uh i'm sorry right around 104 points per 100 so pretty down towards the bottom of the table which as you'd expect you got basically you know if blake griffin is your second best three-point shooter in a lineup you're probably not going to score too well yes (laughs) 
Um, you, know, you know, I'm not surprised those groups were good defensively for whatever other problems they had throughout the season. The Pistons generally defended hard and put out lineups with, uh, you know, adequate size at every position, uh, adequate mobility at every position. There weren't weak links generally to attack. Yeah, this is a question that I asked on the Blazers pod a little bit ago. But if this team is going to take the steps to get towards what we would view as a successful season, I mean, you know, where and even I mean, I think they're probably the favorite for the eighth seed, but they're probably also a favorite to be a right around 500. But if they were going to get into a point where they're we I mean, we talked about maybe this team winning 50 games after that year that they won the 44 and made it to the playoffs uh but that was three years ago with a different cast if it goes well for them and they get to 47 wins or something like that which isn't impossible how does that happen like like what has to go well for them uh to make that occur you know stanley johnson is probably one of their highest variance players is he he's been (laughs) well he's been well lucky so far You just asked for like what's a positive, yeah. positive spin of how they could be good. You really set me up say, for that. I just one. wanted to say like, you always say that, right? I'll make some comment. You'd be like, "Is he?" You know, like <laughs> so I had to throw that back at, you at that point. All right, you got me. You got me. He theoretically could be one of their highest variance players because he, he hasn't been good so far. He has been you know pretty steady, but he has you know this athleticism, these theoretical raw tools that maybe could be pretty good. Dwayne Casey really seems to believe in him. Uh, Dwayne Casey's convinced like Stanley Johnson was the missing link that the Raptors needed to to defend LeBron and, you know, somehow turn that from a sweep into something else. I'm not sure I see that, but, you know, maybe it's just the confidence having your coach really believe in you. Uh, so that's one possibility. Another one, Andre Drummond, you know, he's kind of like a borderline all-star level right now. He could maybe come into his own a little bit more, be more consistent defensively with his reads, yeah. uh, you know, his like, rotations being in the right place. stride over the years incrementally. I, I, mm-hmm. I think he, he's gotten to the point where I think he's at least an average defensive center now. And he's had, had stretches where he's looked real good. I mean, and this was an above average defense last year with him as the anchor. I think they are 13th in the end. NBA in defense a year ago yeah I mean that's fine you know I, I, I'm not really even questioning exactly you know what he does defensively but they're as as fine as he already is there is room for him to be much better yeah and uh, you know Henry Ellenson could break out no I'm sorry uh so <laughs> uh, I think to me the answer to that question is on the defensive end because I just don't see how they get much above average with this group I mean you, you know you've got some guys who are solid contributors they've got big hole at the three right now Stanley Johnson they brought in GR3 as well neither of those guys has shown they can consistently shoot at the NBA level and so maybe that's it you know and Dwayne Casey is that a, a pretty good history as far as getting teams to defend i don't see him as necessarily an offensive genius um based on what you hear nick nurse get, deserved more of the credit for the raptors offensive improvements uh, last year uh, and we'll talk more about what casey brings in, in a moment but that to me is what has to happen here is they gotta get into being you know a top 10 i don't know if they can get to be a top five unit with this personnel but they could be you know seventh seventh on defense and like 15th on offense you know i kind of see that as their ceiling on both ends of the court maybe you could get 13th or something if they just get hot from three maybe uh luke Kennard takes a step forward uh, to seize the, the starting shooting guard spot and really you know can be a threat coming off a screen spacing the floor um so 
that that's how i i think it would have to happen i but i don't see really many other outs for them besides that i just don't think they have enough space to work with and they don't have elite creators on this team anymore not that they ever did i guess well i think they're I think their offensive ceiling, just ceiling, is a little higher than that. I mean, they were uh, 19th per basketball reference last year, and that was without Reggie Jackson for so much of the season. Uh, You know, he's he's a solid shooter, uh, understands how to play, you know, like he's a reasonable starting point guard. Ish Smith was, you know, uh, play. He was a good backup, but he was in over his head as a starter. And whoever their third stringer du jour was, was in way over his head. I, I think, I think their offensive ceiling is a little higher than that. Uh, if they can figure out a way to to blend everything with Drummond, Griffin, and and Reggie Jackson, I think a lot of, like I was saying, I think a lot of the things they worked out between Drummond and Griffin last year are not easily. Uh, you can't easily keep those going with Reggie Jackson in there, but maybe they can figure something out because. Reggie Jackson is a better offensive player, a much better offensive player than Ish Smith. Yeah, no, that, that's certainly true. Um, but I, I also felt like this team actually shot the ball really well from three mm-hmm. last year. And I think there might be some potential regression candidates or guys who just aren't on the team anymore. You know, Tobias Harris was a real good shooter. Um, Anthony yeah, Tolliver. Well, that, I mean, that's a huge one. I mean, Tolliver huge offer closed some games over uh drummond at times uh, down the stretch last year because they just felt like hey we needed the spacing and that's always and that might have actually been the right decision frankly not that tolliver is as good of a player as andre drummond but you see again the the fit issues between griffin and drummond uh, to be sure um Let's do a quick read here, and then uh, we can talk a little bit more about some of the new additions, including Coach Dwayne Casey. So Dwayne Casey, very interesting that he ended up in Detroit because they had to pay a lot of money for him, and he was due six million. He was one of the higher paid coaches in the league in Toronto. He got fired with one year left on his deal, so they really, if they were going to get him this year, they had to pay up because he could have just sat at home and gotten six million. So they really had to give him more years at that rate because you know there's an offset for the six million too. Uh, uh, to get him to come in they did that what is the talk that he is going to bring that's going to be different from the Stan Van Gundy era so I, I think I don't know if we should be expecting this but I think the expectation is look at the great job he did with the Raptors bench you know he instilled confidence in so many of those young players and look at the Pistons still have Stanley Johnson they still have Henry Ellenson uh, they still have Luke Kennard. You know, they they need to figure out if they can get something from these guys. It, it, maybe they can't. Kennard uh, accepted. I think everybody's a little bit higher on Kennard, but especially Stanley Johnson and even Ellenson. Uh, there's a hope that they can be pushed forward. And so I, I think the idea is you can keep some stability with the veterans, right? Stan Van Gundy was a pretty good coach. Dwayne Casey is a good coach. You can keep some stability with how things operate there, and then hopefully. Dwayne Casey can replicate the way he empowered the young players in Toronto yeah what about in terms of system today is there an expectation that things will be any different there or is that not yeah, really been I'm in not, the news yet yeah I'm not sure I haven't really gotten much on that you know it's hard to see exactly how much they would change they also uh once they got Blake Griffin a lot of their system broke right. down and, and maybe
maybe and some of it worked well, right? Like I will never forget the story at the Sloan conference one year. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy was talking about how early on when he was measuring analytics, you know, they, they uh, somebody gave him how his team is probably when he was with the Rockets, how, how his team was scoring on every type of play. Here's how many points per possession you score in the pick and roll and on post ups, et cetera, et cetera. And there was one column, uh, one row at the bottom. And he says, well, what's this? This is the highest one. It, what, what is this label? And they said, oh, it's miscellaneous. It's when the play breaks down and everybody's confused and somebody just they just kind of figure it out on the fly and we can't really categorize it. And that was the highest one. And I think the Pistons had a lot of that with Blake Griffin because he didn't know exactly what he was doing a lot of the times and things were just random. And it worked out well a decent amount. Uh, so I, I'm not even sure too much what the Pistons wanted to do with Griffin in the fold last year. Uh, and so whatever Casey does will be probably different than that. Uh, but there isn't a solid base to be working from with Griffin, at least. Yeah, that's uh, and there were a lot of possessions, especially early in his Pistons tenure, perhaps because of what you're talking about, where at the end of games, he was just trying to ISO at the top of the key. And then they didn't, you know, have enough spacing really to allow him to get a good shot off. Um, they also brought in Glenn Robinson, the third, giving him a two year deal, second year non guaranteed at four point five million per season. I don't think we need to talk about Zaza Pachulia or Jose Calderon. I don't expect them to be a massive part of what's going on, although Pachulia might have to actually play off the bench as this the backup center which i don't think is a great role for him but uh, he might be overstretched in that re- regard at this point in his career and calderon you know we know what he is at this point where do you think uh, that gr3 fits in is the plan still are going to start stanley johnson and bring him off the bench i mean the way Dwayne casey has talked about stanley johnson i expect johnson to start but i like gr3 i you know i think he's on a similar level to stanley johnson uh, has has been a better shooter uh not a, not a provenly good shooter but has been better than stanley johnson he has the size to defend threes you know i wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and wins that job and to me that contract was, was a great bargain to get a potential starter for that price and to make sure you get that unguaranteed uh, second season yeah I, I think that was a good idea because it at least you know he's a modern player who could work out but you know there's a reason that i think the pacers didn't want to bring him back i mean he he had a cap hold that was at the minimum and the pacers could have just brought him back beaten that offer if they had wanted to didn't seem like they're interested and the, and the pacers have nothing at the three now granted his last season was wrecked by an ankle injury but when he did come back in the limited footage i was able to see of him he looked like he was not really there as a shooter because the volume has always been low. i think he had one year where he shot 40 percent, but it was on like 45 attempts and then as a defender i thought that he really was not able to execute particularly well and so that's something that he's really going to have to improve on certainly a, a worthy gamble but it's a when it's a gamble you it's not someone that you can count on and so i still think you know that's a big weakness for this team is that they might have some of the worst threes in the league is reggie bullock capable of moving over to the three like because i think it, getting he and canard on the floor at the same time if they could do that and get that level of shooting you know i, I think that could change some things for him yeah he's capable in certain matchups i mean there are plenty of bigger threes that he is going to struggle with uh but there are enough smaller ones he's capable in some matchups uh, and that does make the rotation easier when he can uh, because you can easily slide Langston Galloway uh, in behind Luke Kennard at shooting guard like it's very easy to make things work for the Pistons when Bullock can when he can't uh, it's a little tougher to make that rotation work who do you think gets the most minutes uh, in order of Galloway Kennard and Bullock I'm going to put Galloway last yeah. That's the easy call. 
and then I think I would say Canard. Ugh, it's close. I think it's going to be very close. I, I think that's an interesting competition between the two of them of, of who's going to start. I'm a little higher on Bullock. He, you know, he has those three and D tools. He's a little bit steadier. Canard is still trying to find his way. Canard can do more. He's more of a passer, more of a ball handler, can do more things, uh, but doesn't always assert himself last year. Not a shocking thing for a rookie. He's got to learn how to do that a little bit more and, uh, you know, just be a little less turnover prone and a little bit more locked in defensively. I think Bullock is kind of the steadier pick and, you know, uh, coaches, especially uh, veteran coaches like Casey tend to reward steadiness over upside. So I, I, it's going to be close. I think Bullock is going to be the starter to begin the season. I wouldn't be surprised if Kennard overtakes him and ends up playing more minutes by the end of the year. What? How would you rank those three? Yeah, I think the same way as you would. I mean, uh, but you could see maybe Galloway. You know, Casey has not been afraid to play two point guard size guys together to go with smaller units. I think especially off the bench, maybe too, with Smith, a limited shooter, uh, that maybe you could go with Kennard and Bullock together. Or you could go with Galloway at the two and play Kennard at the three or Bullock at the three. And against the opposing teams that don't have a big three man out on the floor, you can get by with that, get some more spacing. And then maybe the hope would be you could play Blake Griffin with some of those units as well and let him go to work a little bit more. Um, what about in the front court here? How is the rotation shaping out? We know that they've got Griffin and Drummond starting, but it seems to be pretty in flux. I, I'm a little worried looking at it at their big man depth. And maybe, you know, maybe they'll alleviate that by playing Stanley Johnson more at the four in bench units and maybe play he and GR3 together, you know, again, in some of those small units. But with John Luer's health, a, a question mark here, uh, there are some big time concerns, I think, behind Griffin and Drummond. Yeah, so one of the reasons everything goes so much easier when Bullock can slide to the three is it makes it easier to put Stanley Johnson as kind of that backup four. If you if you can't play Bullock at, at the three, then you need a lot of minutes from Stanley Johnson at the three. So there's a trickle down effect there. Uh, I think we'll see a decent amount of staggering between Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Uh, Griffin can play center in some matchups. Lure can play center in some matchups. And on the matchups where they can't, I think that's why Zaza Pachilia is there uh, because, you know, he's going to get exposed in plenty of matchups. But those are often the ones that Lure or or Griffin could handle. Um, and then that backup four is is also probably more important to have Lure there to, to play some minutes there. And, you know, I think Stanley Johnson should play some minutes there. He's very strong. I think he's better suited to kind of be that small ball four. Uh, shooting is less of an issue there. Uh, but again, it just circles back to this team is so thin at small forward. You kind of need Stanley Johnson there. Yeah, and you mentioned Lure first missed all of last year with an ankle injury that eventually required surgery then working out this summer tore his medial meniscus not a severe injury apparently there's hope he'll be ready for camp or uh, and they are very positive that he'll be ready for vincent ellis for the start of the season but number one just in terms of health and number two how effective is he going to be at age 29 as a guy who you know was a fringier player really has only had two good years in the league he got that big contract uh and from Sam Van Gundy and you know peak John Luer yeah I think he's a solid player who could shift between 
the four and the five play next to either griffin or drummond but i'm not sure you're going to get that player uh and that's even if he is healthy and, and then without him Pachulia, i think i really don't like him as a backup center because so many teams go small with their backup centers now and Pachulia just can't keep up with that uh ellenson you know is not an nba player at this point certainly on the defensive end and so you really start to run into some potential issues i think they would have loved to have maybe signed uh, another guy in the front court and perhaps those bargains were out there this year but with their tax concerns and spending really most of their money below the tax on gr3 that didn't appear to be an option yeah john lure is a perfect example of a lot of what this team is dealing with which is you're kind of stuck with what you have. And I think this is the better move. Like the Pistons could have done something drastic this offseason. They could have tried to break it up to rebuild, but you're so far along this path. All these players have rock bottom trade values for who they are. They're coming off at like a down year. You're better off just running this back and hoping for the best. Like it might not work well. I have all these same concerns about John Lure, about his health, about how good he actually is. But you kind of just need to depend on him to play a rotation role on this team and hope for the best. Yeah. And there's, you know, that, then you're going down to Bruce Brown, Kyrie Thomas. I mean, they have a lot of wing players. They've invested resources on the wing. But, you know, some of those guys are just going to have to develop it and play bigger roles and then and then of course you run into the issue of Blake Griffin's potential health too you know I mean he has not played a full season in quite some time he's had a ton of knee issues and so if he goes down now you're really in trouble with this team so the more I start to think about them I I grow a little pessimistic about them you know I think we're we're thinking of them as the favorite for the eighth seed but you know I'm not I'm starting to think that maybe I'm not as high on that as I was when we started thinking about them especially that big man depth thing really i think could could be a big problem i think that their bench could be one of the worst in the nba yeah but then start analyzing the other teams <laughs> in the running for the eighth seed and you'll become a little bit more I optimistic mean, yeah, how many times i've been seduced by the hornets uh that's <laughs> like but you know i i'm kind of i might be feeling a little better about the hornets and the pistons maybe especially do i think the hornets but then their their big man depth is terrible too and you know they're relying on cody zeller to be awesome so or at least to, to play regularly he played 50 games here so it's uh yeah it's not exactly a murderer's row of competition for that eighth seed in the east i think that's maybe even the biggest reason the pistons prioritize getting Dwayne casey which is you know you know he is a playoff caliber coach he can get teams to the playoffs like he is good enough to do that james borrego we don't know like he's a roll of the dice like a typical assistant coach you know it's gonna be his first year even if he becomes that maybe he's not ready for that like the Pistons didn't want to take that chance they they have this team that looks capable and maybe they get there maybe they don't but they didn't want it to fall short because of coaching yeah and if you're gonna blow the team up you want to at least know that you gave it your best shot with these guys right so uh and see that's that's not particularly important to me it wouldn't be important to me like you have to make a call of when to do it of when to blow up a team like yeah maybe they didn't get their best shot maybe they were robbed of that the last couple years because of you know injury or whatever else maybe they just never got their best chance too bad like that that moment might have passed right like these players are aging things are changing to me it's not that important but i definitely can see how how ownership would view it that way so i want to talk a little bit uh, and i'm getting more worried about their offense as we talk to um although i do think their defense could be a little better than advertised so here are some three-point percentages from last year anthony tolliver shot 44 percent. he's no longer on the team reggie bullock shot 45 percent from downtown on 281 attempts too i mean he played 1700 minutes so pretty good volume for him bullock five 
5.83 point attempts per 36 minutes which is not an unbelievable volume but i mean there's no way he's going to shoot 45 percent again i mean that's he'd shot well in his career but that's that's going to be pretty tough to duplicate canard 41.5 percent uh you know that's uh that's great for a, a rookie he's had a reputation as a shooter but you know generally guys just don't shoot that well that was 195 attempts avery bradley not on the team anymore but he shot 38 percent so i mean this team was at 37 percent around the time the griffin tried to recall them being as high as 40 percent and so i but i really think that they are going to be well below the league average this year in terms of both at least in terms of uh three point percentage if not attempt yeah the, if i missed that uh you know tobias harris too 41 oh, yes, percent yes. last year he's yep. gone no that's i mean all, all but, the guys who really created that are either pretty big regression candidates that don't have uh, you know that much of a track record or you know you are just not in the team yeah i mean you know i'd look at somebody like langston galloway who shot only 34 percent. i think there's room for him to go up but he also might not make it onto the court because yeah. because of the rest of his game and and their depth at guard like yeah i'm, I'm with you this team is going to take a a big step back as a, a three-point shooting team i think that's inevitable uh what do you see as like some of the big strengths of this team that we haven't talked about yet yeah, I mean that's that's tough. I mean the the strength of this team is Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin are are really good players. Uh, they're borderline all stars. I'm not sure either will make it. Maybe both will make it. Well, they're but they're they're borderline all stars. They're good. Uh, you know, there might be some diminishing returns with them. That's kind of the issue is when you have your two best players are traditional ish big men at least by at least in the modern nba they're they're more traditional and um, you know it's it's tough you, there are diminishing returns and those are their best pieces the, the strength of this team is andre drummond and blake griffin for better or worse so this is what i i wanted to say this and then looking at the stats it, it gets a little bit more interesting let me see if i can get the, the stats with both of them on the floor but overall last year and you remember griffin was only here for a, a third of the year uh, but yeah, this so, so this I think could be a strength. I think rebounding can be a strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty-seven percent. I'm sorry, no, that's incorrect. That twenty-nine percent offensive rebounds with Griffin and Drummond on the floor. Now Griffin only had a three point five percent offensive rebound rate, which is not incredibly high. But Drummond gets sixteen percent on his own. He is the best rebounder in the NBA. Uh, and then the defensive rebounding wasn't amazing. You would hope that that could be a little bit better. They they never have been a great defensive rebounding club, even with Drummond getting thirty-six percent of available defensive rebounds last year just because you know they were playing tobias harris and marcus morris for a while you know, they just didn't really have any other good rebounders in the lineup other than than drummond but you'd hope that griffin could come through do some more rebounding on the defensive end even though you know they were only solid on the defensive glass uh, not amazing and then another thing you would think oh man andre drummond like he's huge he's in the paint like they're intentionally following him all the time they'll obviously improved last year blake griffin oh what a bull in the paint that guy is well there are only 30th percentile in free throw rate with those two guys on the floor so you would think again that like all right we're gonna really bludgeon guys in the lane and i don't think we saw quite enough of that maybe part of that is just blake griffin has the ball all the time he's trying to space out to three just because no one else can and that you know when they're running uh, more of an offense with better spacing with reggie jackson out there and maybe some of the shooters that that can change uh but you know this is not a team that's taking a ton of shots at the rim with those big guys they're not bludgeoning guys in the offensive glass they're not getting to the foul line a lot i mean and that's really they have to be really good at those things when you have those two traditional bigs out there one thing that could help along those lines reggie jackson and andre drummond have a nice pick and roll chemistry 
And so getting Reggie Jackson back, you know, that that could definitely generate more opportunities for Andre Drummond inside if there aren't a bunch of players clogging the paint because the other front court players are Blake Griffin and Stanley Johnson. Yeah. Like there is that complication with it, uh, but there's at least room there where where Drummond and Ish Smith didn't quite have that same chemistry. Yeah, and Blake Griffin, you know, I mean, you really have to space him out to the wing and have him shoot threes. And while he's shot those better, he still doesn't have the level of gravity where you're not going to help off of him. Yeah, uh, I mean, back when in this Clippers days, you know, people talked about how Griffin had played with DeAndre Jordan so he could play together with Drummond as well. And Drummond, or I'm sorry, Jordan would usually be the guy in the dunker spot and they would have Blake Griffin run the pick and roll and short roll and then try to attack it in a two-on-one situation with Drummond or with uh jordan i think that's what they are going to do more with drummond as well but you know how much is that going to keep andre drummond involved enough offensively so that he feels like he's going to defend the way that that you know they hope that he can ding 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 uh andre drummond has like in almost direct terms that says i don't want to be deandre jordan <laughs> like it seems like a good idea but he doesn't want to do it yeah. and well know, and so that's somewhat valid so they're going to stagger those guys a lot but then you wonder who is the third big man and if they can get lure to play the way that the Stan Van Gunny hoped he would when he got signed then maybe that works if they don't have lure and and they don't have the wing depth that move guys up from small forward you know that I don't know if those lineups can be that effective either yeah lure is quietly pretty important to this team if, if he's there it kind of falls into place and works fine like you stagger Drummond and Griffin like you said you play lure as as that third big man mostly at power forward like it's fine if lure is not healthy it gets real dicey real fast yeah and maybe there's a trade that could be made to get someone in i don't see anyone running away from them for the eighth seed what do you see as a the crunch time lineup for this team i mean it seems like you know jackson griffin drummond especially now with the, they don't have anyone as good as Tolliver anymore that might usurp either might usurp drummond so you got to imagine it's going to be those guys Dwayne casey is also he's more of a kind of player relationship type of coach so he's not going to piss off Andre Drummond, I don't think, by you know benching him at the end of games. But uh, how is it going to fall in at the other positions at the end of games, you think? Well, uh, Jonas Valanciunas got sat plenty in the playoffs. Yeah, and, but he and was so, like the fifth best you know, guy on the I'm, team, not the second best. <laughs> true, true. So, yeah, so, I mean, you got Jackson, Griffin, Drummond. Uh, you know, to whatever degree you can do offense for defense substitutions, I think you'll pretty much want Stanley Johnson out there for defense. Uh, if you have to keep him out there, I, I don't know. There'll probably be a lot of game to game of who, who's running hotter between Bullock and Kennard, and then I guess Stanley Johnson. Or, or you know, if the matchup you know allows it, Bullock and Kennard. Yeah, the, I, I think you're right on the, on that one. Um, yeah. You know, I guess we can't rule out two sometimes may you know like you said that's a great point Dwayne Casey likes to use two point guards at a time we could see some Reggie Jackson ish Smith closing lineups with Bullock or less likely uh Kennard but one of those two at, at small yeah, forward Smith does have some similarities with Corey Joseph who he would play at the end of games but you know also Reggie Jackson is in Kyle <laughs> Lowry from a, a shooting standpoint um anything else that, that strikes you here as as far as uh you know a question that you're going to be monitoring with this team or should we get into predictions well we haven't talked about henry ellinson i think we did We've so i about I, I feel like you've been wait. i feel like you've been waiting this is not the grand like... rapids drive preview it's the detroit pistons preview i thought you <laughs> all right there were, there it is i was like you there's like you need an opportunity just to shit on henry no, ellinson I made, some I more. Made like a very brief snarky comment earlier it was too brief but the grand rapids drive one like sufficient start <laughs> 
snark we can uh we can move on now yeah well if we want danny to listen to this podcast we we have to uh <laughs> so what are you gonna have as their record i actually i'll let you go first this year i think i went first last year okay uh i think they are going to go for i'm mm, 40 and 42 and get the eighth seed all right 40 wins for the detroit pistons from dan feldman i've become more pessimistic about them as we've talked about them for this 45 minutes or so which you know, it's kind of interesting I'll, usually i have a pretty good idea i was gonna say 39 i think i'm gonna go a little bit lower i think i think this team especially because of that front court depth and the questionable health records of reggie jackson and blake griffin and and then also the questions on the wing i mean this team has some big holes and yeah there are players who could fill them but they don't have the track record of doing that in recent years so i'm gonna go with 36 wins and i might still make them the favorite but i don't think they have a more than 50 percent chance of making the playoffs if that makes sense yeah it does i mean i have them somewhere uh you know 55 60 percent to make the playoffs just because like the next team i would have much yeah, lower I mean, than that. like who's who is next is it it's charlotte charlotte it's, it's brooklyn Brooklyn. I mean, those are really the only teams yeah, maybe the bulls oh i guess cleveland god i mean those are like I, i'm not very low on cleveland as well yeah it's, uh yeah i mean you're any of these previews are going to generally be pessimistic and if they're all pessimistic like one of these teams has to make it yeah and one of them will play better than expected i mean i think you know, the lowest number of wins to make the playoffs uh, this it was a 36 not too long ago that? Uh, I think the Bucks. I think when Brandon Jennings said uh, Bucks no, and six, no, no, I think they had no. one. I think the with... lowest is the Hawks in 2008 were 37. That's the lowest this century that I'm aware of. But I'm going to look that up real quick. Right, now. Uh, I clicked on a bad link to try and look this up. Just get, just give me the record every year. Come on. All right, I can tell you that those Bucks had 38 yeah. wins. Yeah, that seems that seems more like I, I I'm pretty sure. And that Hawks team actually acquitted themselves well. They went to seven games with a, a really good team in Boston but winning all their games at home in, in pretty close fashion as i recall but yeah uh best case we kind of talked about that already i would say uh you know 47 probably for that for this group uh, yeah i would agree that was the number i had okay. in mind also and worst case god i don't know 31 30 i was gonna say 30 yeah. 30 yeah i mean especially because you know when we talk about worst case a reminder we're not talking about necessarily okay everybody and their brother gets injured and you know blake griffin goes down in the first game of the season but he is a guy who you know if you just had him play his average number of games from these last few years you know what's that 55 60 games or something so yeah i mean when he's not playing they're uh they could be in pretty rough shape here so yeah i think 30 as well it seems like they're floor to me i you know i think one thing propping up their floor like they are definitely not starting the season with any designs of tanking none whatsoever and so maybe they get to that point where they're trying to tank for a spot or two in the lottery very late in the season but that'll come late if it happens yeah and of course didn't have their pick last year because of the blake griffin trade i'm really interested to see I mean, probably the most interesting thing about this team to me right now is just what is Dwayne casey as a coach you know is he actually going to he's being paid like a difference maker and he did get coach of the year last year his teams in toronto were very successful played above their talent level you would argue during the regular season most years but curiously has not been someone who's gotten the credit and perhaps that is because you can't point to any because he's black uh 
I hope that's not what it is. Uh, I think it might be some of it. I mean, I've I've given him credit uh, certainly as, as yeah. much as I can, but but I think what I was going to say is it's because you can't point to specific strategic innovations that he has brought in. You know, I, I, that's like yes, uh, th- that's maybe part of it. But I think that even that to me is selling him a little bit short because you know playing the two point guards together on the second unit, mm-hmm. running like crazy on the bench, athletic bench units. You know that bench is always killed at the start of the second and fourth quarter every year he, he j- rejiggered his lines he brought his best player back in Kyle Lowry at the start of the second quarter most of the time although not last year uh and they were able to kill people with those units and whether whether that's strategy whether it's empowering whatever you want to call it I mean they've been successful there so we'll see you know is that going to transfer or not I think it is very interesting when you know when you talk about some of the other upper echelon coaches you know there's Steve Kerr's offense and the switching defense and Brad Stevens with his ATOs and, and Casey has routinely gotten out coached in the playoffs but uh you know that may not be too much of a concern uh, right away here in detroit yeah I'm, I'm strictly evaluating him as a regular season coach at yeah. this point because the yeah, goal is definitely just to make like, the playoffs when you were like oh he's a playoff caliber coach i'm like no i think he's a regular season <laughs> caliber coach <laughs> yeah yeah that's what that's what i meant was in the regular season he is the caliber of coach who can get to the playoffs uh that that is exactly what i meant um i, I will say one other thing in his favor it seems like his players generally understand what he wants to do defensively even in the like they were quietly up and down defensively in Toronto and even in those down years it didn't seem like they were down because like guys were confused and didn't understand the system yeah and I mean and even going back to his days in Minnesota he probably deserved more of it mm-hmm. I mean his teams pretty much every single year have punched above the weight of their talent and so that's what this Pistons team is going to need to do uh I don't know about to make the playoffs but you know this is a team that could be one of the worst playoff teams we've seen in a while if they do make it um 2003-2004 Boston Celtics went 36 and 46 then got swept by the pacers thank you i'm i'm so glad that you looked that up instead of paying attention to whatever inanities i I was uttering (laughs) you gave me the perfect lead-in too (laughs) i i don't think the pistons need to punch above their weight talent wise to just to make the playoffs i think they need to punch at their like they are to me about the eighth most talented team in the east you stick you hit that level probably gonna make it yeah i think the hornets might be more talented than them uh, kemba walker to me is a better player than anyone on the pistons yeah. and then who's the second best player in charlotte uh yeah hmm. no, it gets a little tougher gets a little tougher but, <laughs> but they they have more shooting like they've got a little bit more of a of a fit i think but yeah i mean you mentioned coaching there is a question mark a, a lot of what limited success they had in charlotte and we just talked about this with spencer percy a couple of days ago i'm not sure maybe weeks ago i'm not sure exactly when i'm gonna release this I, <laughs> uh on my honeymoon when this gets released but in any event yeah i think uh the coaching is maybe a question mark in charlotte in in a way that it's not as much in detroit but yeah this will be uh, i was gonna say there'd be an interesting team that might be overstating a little bit but it it is a a team that there is a feeling that big changes could be coming which is so interesting because they just made a big change you know back at the february trade deadline yeah i I think they're kind of locked in for a little bit i mean you can always change uh but they are locked in for a little bit at least yeah it was and i know we're really getting pistons fans excited about the season here on our mailbag that danny and i recorded today 
it was posited that maybe the Pistons are the furthest away from winning a championship of any team in the NBA. Are we taking like just based on where the roster is? What like what yeah, are the, we? I mean, roster, what are we taking? Traffic, if you want to make the argument that well they haven't Memphis? even started tearing down, uh, but Memphis has a a eighteen year old number four overall pick. On oh them. yeah, they do. Yeah, right, they do. That's a good point. Like they they yeah. and, and I think Memphis also it's a lot easier for them to tank. I mean, they still have Marcus Gasol, who maybe they would trade. He's talked about maybe wanting to move on if you know they don't start competing again. Whereas the Pistons, I mean, they're kind of locked into this group. You know, maybe drum has some trade value but it's uh but even just tearing it down enough to be bad to start going after it again i, I did say this though I, I said it was still charlotte because i was just gonna say maybe I, charlotte, i'm more yeah. of a believer just in the pistons organization than i am in in charlotte with michael jordan as the owner and their willingness to spend it, if they get good the pistons is it fair to say fair to say, fair to say maybe it's just because like the pistons owner is newer and we're not exactly sure how he would respond if they go get closer to good but we have a better idea of what michael jordan will do well i mean tom gores has said if the team's good he'll pay the tax michael jordan has uh, a lot of owners say that uh well michael, michael jordan's jordan never said that most owners say that <laughs> yeah well i feel well, like a he, lot of owners also, say that think of how much money he just paid for a coach too and he paid a lot of money for stan van gunning like he's i think he's willing to spend uh, when it makes sense and i wouldn't have been paying the tax for for this team either no i mean i yeah i think gores has shown a lot of good signs uh, and then, you know, some negative one. I mean, some negative ones, too. He's a new owner. He's still learning. And they've had one of the higher payrolls the last few years without being in the tax. You know, there's, a, again, for a mediocre team. So, you know, Michael Jordan, I guess they've kind of been there, too. But, uh, all right, that's probably enough uh, on this Pistons squad. But uh, Dan is uh, one of the best out there at quick re- quickly reacting to news uh, at NBC Sports. It always gets a good cap angle uh, on stuff as well. Good with the historical research, uh, as you showed with that 36 and 46 Celtics team, which I should have remembered. I'm kicking myself for not recalling them. But thanks for joining us. We uh, always appreciate it. And uh, if you like Dan, also you haven't listened to our mock rookie extensions pod yet. He was on that as well. And uh, I don't know, did, did I get everything, or, or is there anything else that I uh, you need to plug here before we go? Yeah, that's everything. I'm just glad you let me back on after that that mock rookie extension podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, I will see you in uh, I think eight days at the wedding. So uh, can't wait. I'm excited. All right. So thanks again to Dan for joining us. Best part is he doesn't even have to get me a wedding present now. And also thanks to The Athletic for sponsoring today's program. Great content on The Athletic today. Especially if you're a football fan, they are getting into just about all of the football markets now. Great stuff there locally for your fantasy team. If you want to find out who's playing, you can get some of the best updates around with The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Capspace is that URL to let them know that you came from us. And we're just starting our partnership with them. We're hoping to expand it. So if you're thinking about getting an athletic subscription, doing it through that slash Capspace URL would help us out tremendously. Talk to you all next time. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.